So this evening is the one pra or the observance night. Then it just so happens to be the last night that I'll be here for a while. <coughs> so taking this opportunity to uh, say say goodbye. I'll be going to uh, India for about six months. Uh, we're leaving tomorrow. Venerable Sujo and I are leaving tomorrow morning and um, flying to Bombay. And from there we'll head south to Kerala, where I've never been to, to southern India. <coughs> So this year has been, the sabbatical year has been very uh, enjoyable, uh, having uh, been released from responsibilities and duties, uh, having all the time in the world. So beyond this, began this year with the winter's retreat with the attitude of conviviality. And so this was an attempt to to uh, encourage you to see the holy life as something beautiful and enjoyable and to uh, you know, open to it rather than just uh, kind of shut down, winter's retreat, noble silence, and uh, go into the shut down mode, which is generally the, what we do. <coughs> Sometimes we see meditation as a way of shutting ourselves off from things rather than opening. Remember, whatever we say, whatever is said, is limited. So when we say shut down or open, these are, these are only words that, that convey some meaning to you in whatever way you, you grasp them. And so in any religious tradition, any religion at all, there's, there's a lot of confusion because they seem to, to, to be contradictory in many ways. So one moment they'll say, shut down, close your eyes, uh, and concentrate your mind on your breath, and then, and then they open up with metta for all sentient beings. So I just point out limitation of language, words, and convention. This, uh, and we, when we grasp these conventions, then we, we tend to, we tend to bind ourselves to a particular view. And we, we might be even encouraged to do so by teachers or by, uh, what, how we interpret scripture and so forth. So just to, to bring back that awareness, the awareness, uh, you know, this is the, this is the center of the universe. 
this conscious moment right now. This is the open awareness that includes when you see yourself in a, in personal terms as as uh, somebody who needs to get something or get rid of something. Then of course you you limit yourself to to that to being somebody who has to get something that they don't have yet or get rid of something they have that they shouldn't have. <coughs> So we reflect on this. I mean, how many uh, reflections have I given on, you know, <laughs> the, just the questioning of uh, of uh, listening to to your your own personality, to your emotional states, learning to be the witness, the puto, the aware, the aware that which is awake and aware rather than operating from a position of I'm a meditating, I'm a meditator who must get something that I don't have yet. <clears throat> I've got to attain certain states of concentration in order to get to other more advanced meditation practices. This whole scenario is not that it's wrong, but it is, but it limits you to to always being somebody who's got to get something, attain something that you feel you don't have yet. Or you go into the purification mode. I'm a sinner, and I uh, need to clean myself up. I need to purify myself. I've got to get rid of bad thoughts and bad habits and and uh, childish emotions, uh, greed, hatred, and delusion, desire, and then we have to get rid of all that. But then it's somebody, isn't it, that you're, you're assuming you are somebody who has these negative qualities that you, you want to get rid of. So that's why this uh, awareness, uh, awakenness, that the sampatanya is a, is a kind of essence. You know, when when you want to the essential, the essence of the Buddha's teaching is, and the bhuto is the awakened awareness. moving towards simplicity rather than complexity. <clears throat> you know, we're, we're already complicated personalities. You know, our cultural conditioning, social conditioning is usually very complicated. And we have, we're educated. And we're, we, we're literate. So we know a lot and we've learned a lot of things, had a lot of experience. And this uh, means that, of course, we, we are no longer simple. We've lost that simplicity that we had when we were children to become rather complicated characters. So recognize, like in the monastic form, it's, it is a move to simplicity. 
And even though sometimes it looks complicated, it it's not really the the aim of it. All the 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 whole thrust of the Dhamma Vinya is towards simplifying simplicity rather than complicating everything. Then when the the, the simplicity is wake up, you know, Buddha. Buddha means awake. So it's as simple as that. They say the, the, the profound teaching of the moment is wake up. What am I supposed to do next then? <laughs> you complicate it again because uh, we're not used we know, we, to being really awake, really being present. And we're used to thinking about things, analyzing, trying to get something, trying to get rid of something achieving and attaining. So in, in the scriptures sometimes uh, somebody was enlightened just through a word or through something very simple. And then we think, how could it, well, we're, we're not, people can't do that these days. Uh, how do you know? How do you know you can? Why do you always think in terms of people in the past must have been somehow more, have more barami or more ability to, to awaken, to be fully liberated? Because we see ourselves through these complicated memories, perceptions. Just look at how complicated you are as a personality. <clears throat> Like speaking from my, my personality is very complicated. Likes and dislikes, and and it feels happy and sad, and and it's so changeable. It can it can change just a snap of a finger. You know, somebody can my my emotions can be triggered off into anger just suddenly by somebody saying something. And the conditions arise, then anger, and then that those, then the anger arises, or happiness, or elation. But through all that, in the lay with the sati sampatanya, what what are we doing? We're learning to sustain an awareness that transcends these emotions. And if we couldn't do this, then there'd be no hope. There'd be no point in even trying with there being Buddhist monks or nuns or anything at all. We'd just be helpless victims of our habits and there'd be no possible way out of it. The way out of it is awakeness. Attention. So like conviviality is also a a theme that it's goodwill, it's happiness, it's brightness, it's welcoming, it's opening. When I use that word, I mean like when I'm convivial, I'm open. 
when I'm in a bad mood, then I, I'm, I'm not open. <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't bother me, kind of thing. <clears throat> or how we hold meditation, or Theravada Buddhism, or whatever conventions we're using. You know, people have a very strong views. <clears throat> when they when they hold to any religious convention, they tend to form views around it. <clears throat> so, in usually Theravada circles, you have strong views about where the original teaching, the pure teaching, or or that you've got to do this in order to get that, and things are nirvana or to, to, or polar opposites and and on and on like this and the the viewpoints, the ideas that we we glean from holding to a tradition. But in the awakened consciousness there's no convention in it. It's not a convention. It's it's dumb, it's a natural way. It's not created, it's not dependent on uh, conditions supporting it. Mm. So now you can see in the, in Britain with the new uh, Archbishop of Canterbury all the, the problems of views and opinions that people have around what's going to happen to the Church of England. <laughs> Because people have, you know, the evangelicals or the, the others or those leaning towards more liberal views and those with very conservative orthodox views, uh, you know, they endlessly clash. All you can do is be at loggerheads with each other on that level. <clears throat> because if you've already, uh, you know, holding to a view, then you're bound, you're limited by that very thing that you're grasping. So, in awakened awareness, there's no grasping. It's a simple, imminent act of of being here and attend. Patience takes patience and trust, <clears throat> and learning to trust that in yourself. You know, no one can, you know, nobody can make you do it or 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 magically kind of do it for you. So this the sense of trusting this moment. So in my my own practice, uh, I realized that because I'm of a, a skeptical mind, I'm easily I'm a questioner, a doubter, a skeptic by nature. I'm not of faith. I don't believe easily. I tend to to disbelieve or suspect. I'm suspicious of things. So, so when uh, with this kind of uh, condition that I have to live with, it's it's pretty unpleasant because you're always, you know, you'd love to believe in something and just kind of rest in a in a belief that you're fully committed to. But the advantage of the skeptical approach is that 
and that is, I think it's probably more, it seems, you know, it's a real challenge, it's quite interesting. And to be able to, to use that is learning to trust, not in any view or opinion or doctrine, but in your sim, the simple ability that each one of you is quite capable to practice with is awareness. Now awareness includes concentration. When you do concentration practices, you put your attention on something and you shut out everything else. So like samatha practices, you, you're, you're choosing an object and then you sustain and hold your attention on the object. With awareness, you're opening uh, you're, it's, it's broad, it's like a floodlight. It's wide open and, and so it includes everything. And whatever, you know, everything belongs. Uh, uh, good mental state, bad mental state, pain, pleasure, uh, anxiety, greed, hatred and delusion, desire, space, consciousness, physical, the physical body, emotional habits, right or wrong, good and bad, they all, it all belongs. So in that, in learning to trust in this awareness, then it, it's, it's an act of faith, it's sadha, the Pali word sadha, but it, it's also very much aligned with panya and wisdom. As it's something you have to, to experiment with, to begin to get a feeling for it. And no matter how well I might describe or expound on this particular subject, it's still not it, is it? It's something you have to know for yourself. So like doubt, of course, is the, is one of the main problems. Because you don't trust yourself, and you do hold, many of you do very strongly believe you are the limitations of your past, your memory, your, your body, your personality. You're thoroughly convinced of that, then you can't trust that. I can't trust my personality. It'll say anything. My emotions, can't trust them, they, they flicker around and change. Depending on whether the sun's out or it's raining or everything's going well or everything's falling apart and emotions then, uh, you know, react accordingly. But then the, what I trust is this awareness, awakenness. Now to, I pointed out my own ways of de- doing this, and some of you get it, some of you don't. So, but at least I've, I've done my best. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, 
you know, this is something you, because you, you can't really trust what I say either. You have to find out what works. If anything I say now, merely just to encourage, not to, it's an encouragement, an attempt to, to encourage you to trust. So when you think of awareness that includes everything, you know, to me that it's it's a very simple. It's nothing complicated. It's just totally natural. It's like you know, the mind stops and you just kind of hear and open, receptive. Or even if your mind, you know, if your thoughts or your tense or uptight or whatever mental state, you know, physical state you're in, you open to that by accepting it, allowing even tension or pain or despair, whatever uh, you're experiencing, you're allowing it. You're not trying to get rid of it. And if you conceive this openness as kind of a happy state, I'm, I'm just blissed out with, with open attention and that then you're conceiving it as some kind of pleasant state that that uh, maybe you don't you aren't feeling at all right now. But it, uh, so it's not not even pleasant. It can be you know one can be in the pits of hell and misery and still open to it. By allowing even even these states to to be what they are, and the, this I, I found a challenge because there's so many mental states, emotional states that I have that I don't like at all. You know, and I've spent my life trying to get rid of them. You develop habits very quickly. You know, when, from childhood, any kind of mental state that isn't, you know. Isn't, doesn't seem right or seems bad or unpleasant. You want to get rid of it. Distract yourself, you know, distract my attention or do anything to get away from it. So, uh, you know, in, in uh, one's life, you know, you develop ways of, of doing that. Any kind of despair or unhappiness or depressing feelings or fears is there's so many ways of distracting the mind that you aren't even consciously, you aren't doing it even consciously. It becomes habitual. <clears throat> so then in, in uh, say in our encouragement now is to begin to notice this. You know, even the, the way one distracts oneself is you're opening to the way it is, not to the way you think it should be or the way you think it is. So it's a state of not really knowing anything in particular. Because in this awareness, it's not like you know anything. 
is you're you're allowing things to be what they are. So you're not you you don't you don't have to perceive them with with the with la- with words or thoughts or analyze them the way it is. It's developing this intuitive sense, intuition or intuitive awareness. <clears throat> and then the, the, the encouragement to trust it. To, when you begin to trust things, you can relax a bit. You know, if you if you're trying to control the mind, then you tend to go back to your habits of controlling and trying to get rid of things and or hold on to things rather than allowing things to be what they are. So, in like in vipassana meditation, uh, anicca dukkanata is a is skillful means a way of reflecting on conditions that we experience in consciousness, consciousness itself. So we're, we're taking our refuge in what we, in the awakeness, in this expansive awakeness, unlimited, it's infinite, it doesn't, it has no boundaries. Thought, whatever you conceive, is a boundary in itself, isn't it? The body itself is a boundary. You know, it's finite. And emotional habits are boundaries. Language and and feeling, happiness. Sukha Vedana, Tukha Vedana, Tukha Matsukha Vedana. They're, they're all conditions with boundaries dependent on other conditions. So what is transcending that? we began to recognize through awakening. So even if what I'm saying sounds like rubbish to you, be aware of that, you know. Open to the fact that you don't like what I'm saying. It's like this. It's not that you have to like it, but it's starting from the way it is rather than that you should actually figure out what I'm trying to say this evening. So I'll be going away in this sense of departure you know that that ha- that brings a certain feeling to to into our consciousness you know <clears throat> Paul's going away for six months maybe he'll never come back maybe he'll wander off like a sadhu in India off into the Himalayas and po 
possible, isn't it? <laughs> Certainly thought of it. <laughs> Very romantic. I don't know what the realities would be like. <laughs> but these are, these are, you know, even before I'm gone, you can, you know, I'm sitting right here in front of you, you know, this sense of going away has a certain effect on consciousness. What is it, you know? This get a, 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 an openness to the, how those words affect you at this time, even while I'm sitting here. And it's, it's whatever way it is for you, you know, it's, it's that way. It is what it is. Separation, uh, the idea of separation or has, is like this. And so you, you're, you're recognizing this, not judging. As soon as you add to it in some way, it, it's more than what it is. It becomes personal, it becomes emotional, it becomes complicated again. So in this, this realm that we're living in, the sense realm, this planet Earth is like this. There's always these experiences of meeting and separating. That this one's whole life is the is an endless procession of of this coming together, separating. And we get so used to it that we you know, we we we, we don't we don't reflect, we don't notice. But in the the like the separation from the loved or what we like or what we uh, approve of all that there's always this sense of sadness because that's the way it is sadness is the natural state uh, from that's how I see it anyway of separating from what I like or love so the awareness of that isn't sad but the emotion that arises it's different, isn't it? The motion is one thing, but the awareness is the the sadness is in the awareness. Awareness isn't sad, but the emotion can be quite sad, like this. Or I can think I'm going to India. That sounds exciting. Six months in India. And then going to South India while you're freezing here in Amravati, Sujama lying on the beach in Kerala. <laughs> so, that's the creation. The awareness isn't isn't excited, is it? It holds the excitement. It embraces the feeling of excitement or sadness, but it's, it's neither, it doesn't get excited or sad. So it's learning to trust in that awareness rather than, than just endlessly struggle with excitement or excited feelings or sad emotions or whatever.
Have you ever noticed that even when you're a total basket case, there's something that is not <clears throat> You know, even when you feel you're, you're, you know, at your wit's end, you're, to you're falling apart and you're <coughs> lost in everything's out of control. <coughs> there's something that isn't. Because you're, you're, there's an awareness of it. But one, if you, if you aren't clear on this level, then of course you, you tend to attach and, and wind yourself up even more into, you know, creating more and more complications when you, when everything's falling apart for you and you, you keep, keep creating more and more complicated thoughts and feelings around it. But if you trust yourself to open to that, then you begin to, to find a, a way of liberating yourself from just being caught in these um, in the in the conditioned realm, just endlessly kind of propelled into emotional habits, fears, and desires, or like like fear and desire. You know, um, desire itself is natural to this realm. This is a desire realm. So why why shouldn't we have desires? You know, what's wrong with desire, anyway? We can think we're struggling here to get rid of all our desires, try to purify our minds and conquer desire. And that becomes a, high, a personal kind of challenge, doesn't it? But can you do it? Yeah, I can't. I can suppress desires sometimes, I can convince myself I don't have any, but it doesn't, I can't sustain it. You know, because this, you know, I recognize that, you know, when you contemplate the way things are, this realm is like this. You know, what is attractive, beautiful, you desire to, to, to move towards it, to grasp it. What is ugly and repulsive is to move away from it. That's just the way it is. It's not some kind of personal flaw. So, but in that movement of attraction and aversion, there's an awareness that embraces both of those. Because you can be aware of being attracted and aware that you're repelled by something. So learning to trust this awareness, it's subtle, so it's, you know, and it's simple. But if it's never pointed out, then we tend to, to operate in, 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 through Buddhist meditation in this realm of achievement, attaining, getting rid of. We go back into this dualistic formation of struggle, trying to get, trying to get rid of. Right and wrong and 
and good and bad. These are these how easily you know we can we we get easily intimidated by some by righteous feelings. And and when we're dealing with religion, it's so easy to to get righteous, isn't it? Because we're in one way we're right. You know, we we should let go of desire and and uh, we should take on responsibility for our lives and keep the the precepts and we should uh, strive on with diligence and this is right, this is good. And then, then somebody would say, "Accuse me right now." Some, well, some of you are probably thinking this anyway. Ajahn Sumedho is teaching a path where it doesn't matter. You know, you can just do anything. Just watch it. <laughs> you know, rob a bank. You can still be mindful of it. What you're doing, and. Uh, could experiment with drinking, getting drunk, and taking drugs. See how mindful, how aware you are when you're when you're hallucinating or on mushrooms or something. <laughs> Doors wide open, isn't it? Then that's another way of thinking. You know, if you're caught in the in the righteous view, then then you see. Uh, if if I'm not promoting that particular viewpoint, then you then immediately you think the other that I'm saying uh, you shouldn't do that. But I'm not. You know, being uh, taking on the precepts, whether it's monastic ones or lay people's precepts. That's that's uh, that's a kind of vehicle that, that simplifies our lives, limits behavior, because if we don't have boundaries for behavior, then we, we, we tend to just get lost in, in you know, we, we have no, no way of, of um, we don't know the limitations, so we, we can just follow any old impulse or idea or thing that we might feel inclined to in the moment. So that, that say, Vinaya or Sila is always some form of restriction, isn't it? It's restraint, holding, boundary on action and speech. <clears throat> so this is a, this is like a vehicle for reflection. If we use the vehicle as another thing, we can use hold, grasp the vehicle and not reflect on it. We become just, we obey all the rules. And, uh, but we don't reflect on what we're doing. There's <clears throat> one extreme. So you become kind of institutionalized into a monastic form through, through you know, the party line, the obeying all the rules, being a good nun, being a good monk, and then uh, then you can uh, feel, you know, that that's what you're supposed to do. 
but you don't, you're not open to it. You're not really aware of what you're doing. So this trusting then is 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 it's you know the the doubting mind, the thinking mind, the righteous mind, the suspicious mind will always question it. You know you. Some of you are probably thinking, well, I'm not ready for that yet. I need something, you know, uh, that's an advanced, what you're saying is for advanced students only. And uh, I need to just, you know, learn how to be a good monk and a good nun. Which is fine, learn how to be a good monk and a good nun, but the awareness of that. So that you're, you're not trying to complicate yourself even more by adopting another role of the good monk or good nun, but, but learning uh, within the restraint that is allowed within the, this vehicle to, you know, to observe, to, to see the, the resistance, the indulgence, the, the uh, attachment, the aversion to it, it's like this. So it's like you're, you're going beyond the dualistic structures. Like uh, of thought and conditioned phenomena. You, you're beginning, you know, your, your refuge is in the deathless, in the unconditioned, in the Dhamma rather than in somebody's view about Dhamma. So to do that, it take, takes uh, this uh, sense of trusting you know, in the awakenness of the moment. And test it out, you know. When I'm in India for the next six months, I have every opportunity to probably be challenged in many ways. And I don't have, you know, live in this very nice kuti the past few months. Lovely bathroom. Private. Only for me. Private bedroom. Underfloor heating. Double glazed window. (laughs) But in India, you know, going to the toilet there can be quite... A difficult day. <laughs> and I know I'll think of my toilet in Amavati. <laughs> you know, it's secure and convenient where when you're traveling, you're out, kind of, you don't know what's going to happen. But then trusting in the awareness, you know that, that, that you know it's opening, so that you're you're able to respond to the to the experiences that you're having in in hopefully suitable ways. So I want to 
express my gratitude that you've all been incredibly supportive of my sabbatical and uh, totally undemanding and uh, protective. I feel very protected. I appreciate that. It's been uh, very, uh, very helpful, very useful too. So then, Ajahn Sujo will go with me for one month, then he'll disrobe. So that, what does that do? You know, being aware of this, this idea of disrobing has a certain effect on the mind. Like this. Just to know that is enough. You don't, you know, just to be aware of of that, of just that perception has this effect on my mind. That's all you need to know, you know, it's like this. So when someone disrobes, we have a certain feeling, you know, of, of which is this way. Now the refuge is in the awareness, uh, rather than making a big deal about the perception. Because we all have views and opinions about this subject. <laughs> now we all have strong feelings uh, about staying in the song or disrobing. Many of you have doubts about whether you want to stay or go. And whatever you're experiencing, you know, have, you know, trust in the awareness of it rather than endlessly trying to figure it out. You know, as long as you're here and, and, and in the role, then I encourage you to, to not, don't feel you have to make such a decision until the time comes that you really want to decide that. But being aware, trust in the awareness the, the vacillation or the doubt or the guilt or the whatever uh, kind of emotion that, that that subject arouses in you. But I really enjoyed having Ajahn Suijo here. He's been a great asset to this community, so he's, uh, you know, one will miss him, but, uh, and, but we also have to remember uh, he contributed a lot to the welfare of our community here at Amravati. <clears throat> so you can also, you know, recognize that and appreciate that. That way of thinking, what does that do in your consciousness when you start thinking in a positive way about it? 
So beginning to notice this awareness doesn't take sides. It's not for or against. It it holds. It, it will hold these things. It will embrace them. So that's why it is a refuge because it you can trust it. If you're taking sides, you can't trust that. I don't know how many monks have told me they would never just roam and then do. <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> so it's, that's not the point. The point of our life is not not even to be a monk or a nun, but to be awake. And that, that, you know, it's a, it's a very, uh, you know, this, this is something that, that you can do all the time. You know, it's, it's not a practice just for the meditation hall or for the retreats. You know, learning to cultivate it, to trust it more and more. Now, over the years, I've developed this, so, you know, the conscious is very expanded. You know, there's a, there's a huge kind of spaciousness. Where, that I can rest in. So that the conditions that I'm feeling, physically, emotionally, whatever, are reflected in that. You know, they're held in it, they're supported, they're allowed to be. If I don't develop this, this, this awareness, then it is difficult because one's always struggling with one's feelings. You know, when the Sangha is going well and everybody says, oh, we love Amravati and we want to be monks and nuns for life and Theravada Buddhism is the only way. Then, then they suddenly all say, we're fed up with this joint, let me out of here. I'm going to become a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and you down again. And then you've got to convince them, no, Jehovah's Witness is not the way. You'll never get anywhere with that. And you get into your righteous Buddhist mood about how deluded Jehovah's Witnesses are. And how right we are, and how you've got everything here. It's wonderful, and uh, you should be grateful and dedicated. <clears throat> Don't be selfish. Another one, isn't it? Don't be stupid. So, and you know, because these are emotionally, we we are like that. You know, if we're emotionally attached to to the way we do things then then it is uh, you know we're threatened by anyone who who questions that and I found in my own life this 
you know, when, whenever I get upset, somebody starts criticizing Theravada Buddhism or our Sangha or the way we do things or, or whatever, then I, and I get upset. Because I've committed, you know, I've 36 years of my life to this. And somebody says, oh, there's a better way to do it. You know, can't be. You've all got to ordain and spend 36, at least 36 years dedicated practice to get where I'm at. So that's the personality, isn't it? The personality, the personality, you know, your, your attachment. You're committed, you're attached, you're, you're identified with it. Can't trust that at all. I wouldn't trust it for anything. <laughs> but I do trust awareness. And as you begin to recognize it, no, I, mean, like I point to this sound of silence as a, it was as soon as you began to aware, aware of that, it's a, like when you sustain awareness with that, it holds, it expands, your consciousness becomes infinite. Conscious moment. And you lose, you know, the sense of yourself, your being this person, this body, it drops away. It can't sustain itself. It has no ability to sustain the ego or the personality or whatever you want to call it. It can't sustain itself. It has no, no way of doing that. Emotional habits can't sustain themselves. They, they, you know, they, because their nature is impermanent. They arise and cease. So as you, and as you, began to recognize the value, realize the value of, of this expansiveness, then emptiness, they call it. Whatever, you know, whatever you, you choose to name it, doesn't matter, as long as you recognize it. Now it's, a, it's a natural state, you know, it's not created. I don't create this. It's not... Uh, you know, like I have to go through a whole process of, of concentrating my mind on something to do this and having to hold it and block out everything else. You know, I used to, when I was into, into concentration practices, I was always getting frustrated because you'd be just getting, you think, getting there right now, just, first jhana. And then somebody slams the door. <laughs> you know, so you, you, you know, you're trying to, to shut out and control and limit everything. <clears throat> and that has, I mean, that kind of practice also has, uh, you know, is skillful to do it. But, but if you hold to that, only, then it limits you always. You can become incredibly kind of controlling of everything. You can't take life as it comes. You've got to 
have life only like this. It has to be, I have to be at this place. I can't live with those people. I have to have all these structures, these conditions in order to be able to get my samadhi. And, the, and then, you're, then you're bound to that. You're, you're, you see monks going all over the place trying to find the perfect monastery where they can get their samadhi together. So in, but in this expansive awareness, it, it holds, you know, it's not everything belongs. So it, it, it isn't demanding. And it, and it allows you to, uh, accept life as a flow rather than, than just endlessly frustrated when life seems difficult or unpleasant. So coming in the temple this evening was very nice indeed, you know, the, the stillness of this place is fantastic, isn't it? Really, marvelous. This is, a, this is the best place in the whole world. It's only an opinion, you know. <laughs> Not a pronouncement. But it, 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 uh, you know, it does, I find it anyway, you know. The, you know, the stillness, the silence in this place is, uh, palpable. As soon as you come in. But then I, you know, can I spend the rest of my life sitting in here? You know. So, so then, the, the, you know, even though it's the best place in the world, it's still, tomorrow morning I'll be leaving for India, which is noisy. <laughs> but the stillness is here, you know, it's, 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 it's present, being present. It's not depending on a temple or a place. And this is, this is where you know, entrusting your your awareness, you begin to notice this even amidst of London or Bangkok, a place like that, or confusing scenes or acrimonious scenes that one might be involved with. You can always find this, recognize this stillness once you value it and appreciate it. It does take that kind of determination. Much of the time it doesn't seem like anything. And uh, having goal-oriented practices seems more attractive sometimes. I want something to do, you know. Then we get my teeth into. Because that we're, you know, we're conditioned like that to always be doing things rather than trusting, opening to the present. We can even see that, you know, make that into a, into another cause to live. I've got to open to the present all the time, you know, <laughs> grasp the idea of it. That's not what I mean. And so with conviviality, it's like the attitude of, of, of being at ease with life, of openness and ease with being alive and breathing and consciousness. 
if you, if you grasp the idea it should be convivial, then you, then you miss the point, isn't it? It's merely a, an encouragement in a direction to, to trust and relax and let go, enjoy life here, you know, open to it, rather than, you know, endlessly try to make it, you know, you know, there's things we don't like about this place or the people in it, and so we can be obsessed with that. <coughs> and then just, and that can bind us, limit us to an endless kind of critical uh, attitude towards it. So if, if that's what we're doing, then we've missed the point. And as we open to it, even to our aversion to it, allowing aversion to it to be what it is. Not even, I'm not asking you not to be averse to it. <laughs> but to open to that aversion or that uh, restlessness or whatever positive or negative feelings you have. Because they change. So I want to wish you all the best or and uh, I'll send, uh, I'll share the, the blessings and the merits of my pilgrimage in India with you all. And if any of you are wondering, will I come back? And I really want to come back, you know, I quite like living here, so, so, uh, if my fate is such, I will be back. <laughs>